is all about hot, badass, nasty speed. I mean, that's how you got to play the game of hockey. Listening to Impact Sports Radio, and this is Behind the Mask. Welcome to Impact Sports Behind the Mask, the only podcast dedicated to Michigan State and Big Ten hockey. I'm your host, Andrew Burkle, alongside my partner, Ryan Collins. Well, Ryan, what a weekend for Spartan hockey, am I right? <laughs> It's uh, not what I expected. I'll say that to say the least. Right before the show, you were ta- we, were, we were talking. And you said one of our main topics last week, and I had totally forgot this was was Michigan State going to get a sweep the whole year? And I think we were both pretty agree. We agreed pretty pretty well that that wasn't going to happen. And then the first weekend, it happens. Basically, like, the, the second weekend actually. Like, oh, maybe they squeaked one out against Wisconsin at home. I don't know. We'll see. But maybe Ferris, maybe Ferris, yeah. and then they go on the road and beat number eight Cornell handedly. It wasn't really, and they beat them. They scored four straight goals twice. Which... It, it, it was impressive, it, and you saw from a lot of different guys. Eleven different guys score this weekend, getting the score sheet this weekend, and that, that's something to build on. And this is probably Dan Cole's most signature wins. Oh yeah, I would say, especially when you pair them back to back like that. That's got it's got to be up there, and something that. We talked at nauseum about last year, and then we've already talked about it a lot this year. Every press conference they bring it up to Danton is, besides the KHL line of Kotaranko, Hiroshi, and Lewandowski, who else is going to score? And you saw that this weekend. Yeah. They were getting those contributions from everybody. Yeah, it was good. I mean, you saw the captain Saliba. I mean, that was a huge goal in the first game. I think Cornell kind of was dominating the pace a little bit after Michigan State started early, and him to get that shorthanded goal early kind of swift, changed momentum in that game and maybe change momentum in that series as a whole. Yeah, definitely. And you saw some other names on the list too, like Brody Stevens was on there. And, you know, not not for, not Cat, not Saliba, not the KHL, like fourth-line guys get yeah. goals. Like, that's huge for this team. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, he, like, Hiroshi's been dominant this year, and that line's been dominant, plain and simple. But when, as we said, when you play teams that have star defensemen, they're going to shut those guys down. It's important to get contributions from all four lines. Well, before we forget to talk about this, we were talking last week about how the uh, Cornell has a Hobie Baker Award candidate in that. And then Michigan State like one. put up nine goals on him in two games. A couple of them were pretty shaky, too. I think of Cordero's one from the half wall. And I mean, he just didn't look right. I, I, went, I mean, it's the first two games of the year, so I'm not going to bad the goalie that much, but... I mean, Michigan State was pretty opportunistic. So, I I mean, their offense looks good. I'll say that. Plain and simple. I mean, they they work in those corners as good teams do. I mean, they get to the areas they need to be. Well, they just it seems like they have a lot of good puck movers. And, yes. you know, like they're setting things up well, and especially that KHL line with Hiroshi and Kodarenko. Those guys are just money, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, it's – I mean, they're so in sync. It's insane. I mean, Lewandowski's last goal against – uh, Cornell, I think on game two on Saturday, was a bouncing puck, and Hiroshi's able to corral it in just one time. Lewandowski backing that all day. I mean, they have such good chemistry, and when they get opportunities, they're most likely going to corral it and put it in the net. Yeah, I just checked. I had to double check. They uh, Matthew Galajada, whatever, however yeah, the heck you say yeah, that, that name. Still yeah, a nightmare. What a joke of a name. Uh, <laughs> he got pulled both games, both Friday and Saturday, which, I mean, that's... That's unheard of for a Hobie Baker Award candidate, right that's there. That's in. Yeah, that's crazy. That's really crazy. I mean, that's a. 
That I mean to say that this Spartans team was gonna go into Ithaca and take two out of to take sweep Cornell, I think you would be crazy. Right, and if I had told you that Michigan State beat both uh, beat Cornell both Friday and Saturday. Would you? What would you have said the score would be? One, one, zero, two, one in either, in both the games like yeah. that. I mean, I would that would be the only chance I would have thought they would have had. But to score nine goals in yeah. two games, that's crazy. Yeah. All right, well, let's get to the game recaps a little bit here. So on Friday night, the Spartans scored first, first with that Saliba goal, as you mentioned. And then Cornell tied it up in the second period at one, but the third period, all Michigan State they outscored Cornell four to one in the third period, and they ended up going on to win five to two. Spartans got goals from Dennis Chesna. Cessna? Do you know how to say it yet? Cessna. Cessna? Okay, we're going with Cessna. Dennis Cessna, Tara Horosi, Brody Stevens, and Cody Milan. Horosi also had two assists, but the Spartans were not done. On Saturday, it was Cornell who struck first, but for the second straight game, the Spartans got four unanswered goals, three in the second period and one in the third. So the, once, they, once the Spartans had a 4-1 to one lead, they held on for dear life and escaped with a 4-3 to three sweep. Last time MSU swept a road series against a ranked opponent was seven years ago when the Spartans won back-to-back games at number 5 Western Michigan. That's courtesy of Neil Kepke. What an awesome weekend for Michigan State, huh? I mean, that was crazy. And you look at Saturday, too, and you said they held on to their win. In the second period, I think they took 10 minutes of penalty minutes. It was insane for them to hold on to that game. Yeah, I mean, that... Lethman was very solid in that. Oh, Lethman, yeah. I mean, the goalie controversy that everyone you know who follows college hockey recruiting is like, ah, oh, DeRitter is going to take over immediately. I think Leatherman's going to have something else to say about yeah. that. I mean, he has been – first of all, solid. he started Friday, which is always a good sign for a goalie to start the first game. But then the fact that Cole and his staff had the confidence to roll him back out there for a second straight night, that shows a lot in how they feel and how he's developed. Yeah. I mean, he looked really good on uh, Friday. I mean, in the early goings of that game, Cornell had some chances, and – when you make those saves early in the game, it gives that team confidence, and it gives the goalie confidence that, I mean, we're not going anywhere, and this is going to be a tight game. So it was impressive to see how he played in that this weekend. Yeah, and so for the, the people who have been following the team for a couple of years now, John Leatherman has always kind of been the younger guy. Like, he, he was the younger guy to Ed Minnie. He's a veteran now. I mean, he's supposed to be the guy in net. So it's good. It's for, for Spartan fans, it's definitely good to see Leatherman taking that next step. All right, we're going to do a new segment now. We're going to call this segment Three Takeaways from the Weekend. So my first takeaway here, Spartan, the Spartans definitely have the juice and the legs and the ability to score goals that they just simply didn't have last year. Yeah, what, what do you I think mean, about that? I would agree with that. And I think it is when – I, when I was watching the game earlier today, I think it was the defensemen. I think they have more guys on the back end who are offensively capable than they did last season. Oh, yeah, Dennis, Je- Dennis Cessna. I mean, yeah, that's he's right. The, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Like, he he's looks the great. puck mover who that Michigan State's been missing for, for the whole Cole's whole time and even in Nassus' time yeah. back a little bit. Just the value of having that defenseman who can move the puck and set everything up, and it's really just it seems like it settles a hockey team down. Yeah. I mean, you see with the Detroit Red Wings now, they don't have that defenseman, and I they might be one of the worst team in the National Hockey League. So I, I think it shows the importance of having that Type of defenseman in the back end. Yeah, it's like a put. Otherwise, sometimes it seems like the forwards are kind of just running around like headless chickens out there yeah. with no like leader, no you know rock solid presence there. And Michigan State seems to have that. And Dennis Cessna is only a freshman too. Yeah, and and you look back at Michigan State history. I mean, you think of the really good teams recently with the Spartans. You had Petrie, you had Krug. So it's important for the Spartans to have a good defenseman in the back end. No doubt about that. All right, takeaway number two: Do the Spartans now have? options in that and last year at times it looked like uh, I don't know if they have a goalie now it looks like they might have two I mean that's huge I mean 
say Lothnam struggles this week, and you go right back to De Ritter and see how he does. So it's huge to have those you have two competent goalies, and you don't want to be able. It's a long season. You don't want to wear out your goalie, and it's important to have two. And I think well, Danton talked about this a lot in the press conference this week. He said, "Deritter's going to play. He's going to get opportunities, yeah. no matter. I mean, if Leatherman just keeps playing up like he did, they still want to get Le- uh, Deritter those reps, yeah, because he's such a he's such a talent. But he, when he was talking about his process of how he on Friday he played, Leatherman played so well, and he said they sat down as a staff." Friday night after the game, they decided they're going to go with Leatherman again. And I think the fact that they have a goalie who who gives them that kind of confidence, that's definitely a, another positive for this team going forward. I mean, it, I, I mean, again, going back to Michigan State history, they need, they've need been built on good goalies. Miller, Lurd, Hildebrand. Those type, you need goalies that are going to study the ship. And I think you, and every good hockey team is not going to have a bad goaltending. That's if you want to be a top twenty team in America, you have to have good goaltending. Yeah, and not just like not, especially not bad goaltending. But yeah, if you want to be an elite contender, I mean, we talk every single year when the Stanley Cup rolls around. The question is, oh, who's, who's going to get the whole yeah, hot goalie yeah, yeah. every year? That's a question. So, I mean, goaltending, you, yeah. you can't overstate or overstate the value of a goalie. Yeah. My third and final takeaway is this is a huge win for the program going to Ithaca, beating number eight Cornell. But I think this might be a bigger win for the season going forward more than anything because now this team is going to have a confidence they just simply wouldn't have had otherwise. I think it makes it a little bit more interesting early in the season. I think these players believe maybe they were overlooked in the offseason and that they they were voted last in the Big Ten basically unanimously. I think they have something to say about that. And uh, it is interesting, but I think it's more important for the program as a whole. I think it gives substance to some recruiting that Dan told you to do, say, hey, go look at this. This is my second year, and we're already getting the job done. So I think that's the biggest aspect of this one this weekend. Last year was all about the process and getting through the rebuild. And now I feel like Michigan State can start selling results a little more. Yes, yes. And after going to Ithaca, beating number 8 Cornell, this team, we talk all year about how, how ridiculous the Big Ten schedule is going to be. Yeah. They're going to have this team. There's no way this team doesn't think now. We can go into any building in, in the in the country and at least pull out a, a split. I mean, Cornell's out a historic venue, and there's a lot of great venues in the Big Ten. You think of Yost, you think of going to play at Minnesota, you think of Notre Dame's fantastic facility, and the win in Ithaca like they did. They, I mean, they flat out dominated basically in the third period, both games. So it was to win like that is such a confidence boost, and maybe they won't not maybe they don't have the most talent in the Big Ten. But, I mean, it doesn't matter when you're playing with comp. You see with hockey, you see the Las Vegas Knights last year, they don't have great talent. They made it all the way to the Stanley Cup. I think confidence is huge in the sport of hockey. Confidence and chemistry are two yes. keys that you can't overstate in hockey. More, you know, basketball, if you have LeBron, you're going to make the finals. Yes. And it's obviously important to have good chemistry, but nothing is like hockey where if those guys— If you can if roll you have, four lines in hockey, it's— there's nothing like it because if you have trust in all four guys and your teammates have trust in all four guys, you're going to be an elite team. And you're going to wear teams down if you yes. have that depth. Yeah. That's what you saw with the Knights last year where they didn't have any elite. They didn't have a Crosby. They didn't have an Ovechkin or a Malkin. They, but they had four, two, four lines, four, four who, could, second lines who, could go, who could go deep with anybody. You know, yeah. And that's just wears teams down. And I think that's got to be – Michigan State's got to be looking to that team to yes. kind of you know, yeah. inspire them. Yes. Yeah. All right, well – that's it for three takeaways. Let's do a little Ferris State preview. So Ferris, they're up, uh, Michigan State's opponent this weekend. Uh, they're doing a little home-and-home home with Ferris Friday night at Michigan State at Mon Arena. 
Mon Ice Arena, and then they'll be traveling to Big Rapids to face uh, Ferris on Saturday. So Ferris, uh, they are three and three on the season. They uh, beat, they swept Alaska Anchorage last weekend. They they actually are averaging. This is kind of weird. Two point seven goals per game, and they are allowing two point six seven goals per game. So exactly the same goals per game allowed and scored, which is a little weird. A little. That's. That's psycho weird. Yeah, it's like a yeah. statistical anomaly yeah, right there. Yeah, wow. So their best players are Corey Mackin right now and Nate Caleb. They each have five assists for the Bulldogs. And freshman Hunter Went leads the team with three goals. Both their goalies have started three games. Freshman Ronnie Salmon Kangas. That isn't that that's challenging Cornell's goalkeepers now. I don't know if we're going to have to keep count, but all these goalies' names need to figure it out because <laughs> Sal- I'm not going to be able to say any of them. Salmon Kangas? Is that like two different names put together? I don't I don't understand these names. No Ronnie offense, of Ronnie Kangas. Ronnie Salmon Kangas. That, write that one down in the books for sure for uh, what odd name. goaltending names. But anyways, he's been rock solid this year, actually. He's 3-0 and has a 1.52 goals against average, which is really, actually... Really good, especially yeah. for a freshman. Yeah. And then their backup goalie is Justin Kappelmaster. He's Owen. He's Owen three and uh, has a four point one six goals allowed per uh, per game. So, Another good name too. Yeah. Another, just on fire this yeah. year with the re- opponents' yeah. uh, names. So yeah, what do you what do you expect to see from Ferris this week? I mean, Michigan State's had pretty good success against Ferris. I mean, they've won the last three. They've played against Ferris. I mean, Ferris last year didn't look very good, and they they weren't a good hockey team last year. So it'll be interesting to see them early season and how they figure out to be. But, I mean, these teams are so familiar. You play these teams so often. So I th- always think these games are going to be close. That's another thing, coming back to Cornell one more time, just because it's so big. They It's not like Cornell is Notre Dame or Michigan or Ferris or one of those teams Michigan State's super familiar with. Yeah. Like, this is a team that they, they don't – I mean, they don't know each other that well, which makes it, I think, a little even more impressive that it wasn't just, you know, Cornell fell asleep on Michigan State yeah. type thing. All right. Let's move on to around the boards for a look at the Big Ten Conference. Ranked highest is Notre Dame at number five. They were previously number one before they got swept by Minnesota Duluth last week, who has actually replaced them at number one. Number six is Penn State. They beat uh, they beat number 13 Princeton at home last weekend. Ohio State comes in at number seven. They lost to Bowling Green at home and tied uh, Bowling Green away. Oh, wait, I think they beat Bowling Green, didn't they, in uh, the first game? No, it said they lost. Oh wow, we'll we'll go back and check that. But I yeah. think I think they they either they definitely I'm, tied. I'm fat checking it right now. All right, I'll keep moving on. Yeah. Number ten is Minnesota. They are one one and one. They lost to number seventeen North Dakota in uh, Las Vegas for the USA Hockey Hall of Fame game. And then number twelve is Michigan at three two and zero. They swept St. Lawrence at home last weekend. Number sixteen is Wisconsin. They split with Michigan Tech at home last weekend. And then coming in at unranked is Michigan State, who's 3-1 and one and coming off, obviously, the big sweep against Cornell last weekend. And uh, for whatever it's worth, they got 38 points for the uh, re- basically receiving votes category. I'm not sure how the Ooh. points work, to be honest with you. 82nd was 20th. So they're I don't still really close. get college hockey rankings. Uh, it's unlike any other ranking in college sports. Also, update, they did lose to Bowling Green 8-2. to two. Eight to two at home, so and they're still tough. ranked number seven. Yeah, that's mean, interesting. Yeah, uh, my brother's girlfriend's bro- brother, <laughs> a little bit of a weird connection, plays for Bowling Green. Actually, good shout out, Brandon Cruz. Yeah, shout out Brandon Cruz. I'm sure, he's not listening, but anyways, <laughs> do you think Michigan State should be ranked? Um, I mean, they have a good like body of work. You have one win against a ranked two, three wins against a ranked opponents, but no, not yet. I mean, I it's they're not talented enough and don't have maybe the 
pedigree that other teams that are ranked in deserve to be ranked. We just talked about how we the the college hockey rankings are really weird, but if I'm just thinking of this like football or any other sports rankings, I would say there's two schools of thoughts on this. There's the one where you only can react on based on what you've seen. And you see that sometimes where teams were, will get in the rankings after a couple of early wins, and then they're not actually that good. Or yeah. there's the way where people, you know, you have to kind of look at their roster, like, ah, is this a little fluke? I think that obviously that's what we're seeing play out with Michigan I mean, they were, right now. they were outshot both games in Ithaca, so it's not like – I think if you, someone who didn't watch that game, you could go back and look. Maybe, oh, they, maybe it was a fluke. Maybe their goalie was just red hot. So I think this weekend will go in a long way and – Maybe proving voters why they should, maybe why they should be ranked. Well, I think if Michigan State sweeps Ferris, no, they'll be. Ranked, I think they'll I think. definitely yeah, be in yeah, it, yeah. and I think they, I think they have a real shot of doing so. All right, well, let's shift to stats. Don't lie. What do you have for us, Ryan? I'm gonna call it stats slash facts. Don't lie because once in a while it's not gonna be a stat; it's gonna be a fact. That's fair. So, Michigan State picked up its first road sweep in three years. That's a fact, not a stat. So, just going out there. Okay, and then uh, John Lethnum through three starts has faced 96 shots. With a 9.27 save percentage last year, he stood at 9.03, and the Spartans have won all three games with him in that. The Spartans' last season after trailing in the first period was 0-16 and 0. That streak was snapped at when Michigan State trailed Cornell after the first period on Saturday. I have a quick comment on that because last year, Jason and I, anytime Michigan State would allow a goal, we'd just say, "Well, it's over." And <laughs> I didn't know they were actually 0-16 and 0. It was but pretty crazy. I remember every single time the other team, the opponent against Michigan State would score, I'd be like, they just don't have the horses to come back. And obviously, that's that was different this weekend. Michigan State's power plays are on 5 for 15, and it's had con- converted at a rate of 33% compared to 17% last season. So that's a big jump to look at. No kidding. Yeah. Tara Horosi, nine points, is the most player at any in the country through, through four games. There's more teams that have played eight or six games that have more points than him. And he still ranks 12th among those all-staters in college hockey. Wow. Yeah, pretty impressive. Ferris State last season away from Big Rapids was 5-16-1, compared to when they're back in Big Rapids, they're 9-7. and Wow, that's another crazy stat. Uh, I think the Hiroshi nine points through four games, I mean, sometimes you watch a hockey game and you know someone's on a tear. And then that's what you're seeing with Hiroshi. But to see the, the nine points, is that that's really backs up what he's been doing so far. Don't you think? Yeah, I, I mean, you could like his vision on the ice is crazy. Like y- his passing ability, I think is the best part of his game. Even though he's probably he's the leading scorer on this team, but still. Yeah, and that's what you see. I mean, the KHL line with Kotaranko and Lewandowski obviously has a lot of talent, but what drives that engine is is Hiroshi. He's the point guard per se of this of this line. He he sets things up. Things go through him. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you see it on the power play when he's on the point. Like he is able to get the the puck to Tortorento on the half wall, where he is able to find Lewandowski either in front of the net or Milan in front of the net. So it's interesting to see how his ability translates maybe to the pros because I think he is a pro. Well, it's one of those things where in hockey and in any sport, really, if if you have if you're an elite talent and you're small. Does your talent outweigh your size? I think, and, yeah. And the more we're seeing of Hiroshi, the more it's looking like this guy has got NHL, yes. NHL talent. Yeah. And, and I, based on purely on size, people probably thought he would, wouldn't be in there. But I mean, he's just he's producing and he's setting things up and just watch him play. I mean, it's, yeah. it's impressive. Yeah, it really is. And, and you can say that about Lewandowski too. I mean, that he, Lewandowski's small too. Yeah, yeah. he's a, a small fellow. So I, yeah, it's interesting to watch. 
as yeah. the season goes on. Yeah, I'm going to pitch in one st- uh, stat just for old time stake here. The veteran. The vet, the Stats Don't Lie vet and creator, actually. I'm going to give myself a little credit there. <laughs> Had to get a segment in on the show, so I created Stats Don't Lie. Anyways, through the first four games of this, se- this season compared to last, MSU is better in goals four, where they have four versus 2.75 last year. Goals against, 2.75 versus 3.25. Power play, 33% versus 26.3%. And penalty kill, 82.6 versus 73.6. Talk about a turnaround, huh? I think it's all, it's a culture shock right there. I mean, it's insane. I mean, especially on that penalty kill, 82%, that's a big number. I know it's early, but that's huge. If you And they've had a lot of penalties to kill. I mean, that second period, that team could have got away from them if they didn't stand tall on that penalty kill. And the penalty minutes, yeah, uh, I think I'm looking at uh, 12 penalties for 24 penalty minutes last game against Cornell. <laughs> and they pulled out the win. So to still have, have three that, goals. Yeah. And to still have that uh, improved penalty kill percentage is, is really impressive. And if you were to say, all right, let's pick out four stats to show a team's improvement from the year before. Like, let's see what where they are this year versus last year. You might look at power play, penalty kill, goals allowed, and goals, uh, goals for. Yeah, and yeah. to drastically improve in each one of those categories is extremely encouraging. Yeah. I think you're going to also have to see maybe better five-on-five play from the Spartans but I mean yeah those are four major stats and if you can score in a power play at the rate they are they're going to be effective and they're going to be in games with teams all year and obviously four games through you don't want to overreact anything I mean I think we are overreacting we are yeah of course because (laughs) we've been we've been covering a bad team for well I have been covering a bad team now for three years but anyways the reason I think that this power play is can going to continue to be really good and this is not as much of a statistical outlier as it might seem like is because they have Hiroshi on that power play. And the one thing, and they have Cezna, Dennis Cezna now. And the one thing that a power play needs is that puck movement and good vision and the the ability to keep cycling and, you know, get good shots. And those two guys are going to be absolutely crucial for that. I mean, and I love Kodorenko on the half wall. He's really good there. I mean, he's got, he's, his ability to decide if he's going to shoot or he's going to pass, he's really good, and he's got really good patience, and that's what you need on the half wall on a power play. Well, on Tuesday, Danton talked a little bit, or actually yesterday, Danton talked a, a, a little bit about uh, the, the second power play unit, where last year, it, where Osborne has kind of been the front of the, of the front man there, and he said he's got two lines that he feels really confident in on the power play, which is huge because you don't have to burn your guys out and you can hit them with two totally different looks. Yeah, especially with the minutes that the KHL line plays usually. It's huge if you can just throw out a second PP unit and get the job done. Yeah, anyone who's ever played hockey knows that sometimes you get stuck in bad lines and you get, like, someone takes a penalty, there's a power play, things get totally out of whack, but to have the ability to have two different sets to throw out there, it gives you a lot of confidence. You don't want your players being bad. They're just absolutely winded, and you, you... In hockey, more than anything, if you have tired players, they're going to make stupid decisions. No doubt. All right, let's get to the predictions. Ryan, what's your prediction for this week? I think they sweep. Uh, I don't think this Ferris team is as good as teams in the past, but I wouldn't be surprised if the Spartans went down early in the first period. A little humble, humble pie, maybe reading the press clippings a little bit too much. I wouldn't surprise them to come back. Maybe it goes an OT or something, but I would say Friday game's close. Saturday, the Spartans blow them out. Well, we've seen that this Spartan team can play on the road, which is definitely encouraging from where they were uh, a couple years ago. Uh, I'm feeling confident in this MSU squad, and I'm sure they're feeling confident as well coming off that win at 
uh, Cornell. Maybe a little overconfident, but I think that uh, that after they, one period here in Mon Ice Arena, five to nothing first. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I'm not that I'm not that overconfident in the squad yet. But I am going to take Michigan State in a sweep as well this weekend. Uh, Ferris, like you said, even last year they they did well against Ferris and Ferris won the last three against them. Yeah, they they're not world beaters by any means. So I think. Uh, this may be the, my first time ever predicting this on this beat of a Michigan State sweep. <laughs> I always at least make it uh, prepare myself for it, or not prepare myself, but I always at least say there's going to be at least one loss. And now to f- confidently pick a a sweep, I think that shows you that this team. This is Danton's second year. He's really he's really turning things around. And Ferris is coming off a sweep of Alaska Anchorage, but I think the MSU's sweep at at Cornell on the road is just going to give them so much more confidence in this game. This is a watershed moment for you. Oh, it is. It's a it's a turnaround. I th- I wish <laughs> Jason Ruff was here to, for this one because no one cares. Or we should call him one day. We should. We'll get him called up one one of these days. I don't know what the heck he's doing down there in Texas, but I'm sure he's got time for a little behind the mask podcast. Yeah, he'd love that. I bet. All right. Well, that's that will do it for this week's behind the mask. I'm Andrew Burkle. I'm Ryan Collins. Thanks for joining us, Spartan hockey fans.